Hey, welcome back to All That's Interesting, the another day, another new goddamn thing about space edition. Today is episode 173. The moon is way, way older than we thought, and Saturn's rings will disappear from view in 2025. My friends, if you're a longtime listener of this show, then you know there's not much out there that's as fascinating, confusing, terrifying, and mind-shattering and inspirational as outer space. Honestly, the only other thing that could possibly compare is the deep sea. And if you ask me, my mom had it right about adventuring in our oceans when she told me, and I quote, it's none of our business what goes on down there. But today, we're not fucking around with ocean critters. We are at it once again peeling back the curtain of the universe. What researchers have found and what researchers have in store for us will have you amazed. In the first half of the show, we're gonna roll around in some moon dust. Figuratively, not literally, because as we all have learned from in between 096 when scientists fed moon dust to cockroaches, that fine powder can tear up your lungs like a blender on high. Have a listen to that. If you haven't, it is absolutely a true story and yet another wild ride in the theme park of experiments. Today, today we're gonna dive into a study that safely examined moon rocks and fine debris, all to help answer a seemingly simple question. How old is our good friend up there really? Well, my friends, that question is actually a controversial one for literally millennia. There have been theories and timelines that can only guesstimate. Scientists have had no solid evidence to nail down an age. That is, until 2023, when a handful of ingenious cosmochemists, yes, you heard me, cosmochemists, joined forces to analyze some old samples with a brand new painstaking technique that revealed, yes, the moon is older than her profile picture, and it's at least 40 million years older than previously thought. 40 million. We are going to get into that technique because the science behind it, it's, it's going to blow your mind. Then after the break, we're popping by another celestial neighbor, this time Saturn, and I'm guessing the first thing anyone thinks of when someone mentions this planet is its gorgeous appearance. We think of those sweet, sweet rings. But what if I told you, if you peeked through a telescope in 2025, those rings would be gone? Yeah, you're probably thinking, oh, great, Jesus, sounds like something cataclysmic is going to happen. Like, is there going to be a gigantic impact on the way, or is some billionaire scooping them up for their own financial gain? Because I wouldn't put it past them, and I'm surprised they haven't thought of it already. Well, calm down, don't worry. Thankfully, my friends, the rings are safe. Due to Saturn's tilt and its position while in orbit around the sun, in 2025, those iconic rings will be perfectly flat and on edge with our line of sight. Now... I know what else you may be thinking. Are you kidding me? Aren't they like fucking massive? <laughs> How could that be? Well, hold on to your own bits and doodads because I've got incredible ring facts coming up. In the meantime, I'm Jill Chacha. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my flashy business goose. To begin, 
I'm going to need you to fire up the old time machine because we're dialing it back just a bit, just a smidge, to when you were having the goddamn time of your life listening to the first half of episode 162, Seismic Activity on the Moon Isn't What It Appears. Now, it'll feel weird at first, staring at yourself from behind some bushes, but don't worry, I do this all the time. <laughs> That'll pass. Plus, you look great. You always do. Oh, and if there's a business goose out there joining us that hasn't had a listen to episode 162, girl, you gotta pause this and give that a go. When you're all caught up, come on back here so you can go back there to experience this. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Okay, look. The point is, thanks to episode 162, your beautiful mind is now aware that in 1972, the Saturn V lifted off from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Merritt Island, Florida. On board was Commander Gene Cernan and a lunar module pilot, Harrison Schmidt. Both of these guys were scheduled to walk on the moon, making them only two of 12 human beings to ever set foot on our celestial neighbor, as of this recording. This leads me to one of my favorite facts about the mission. There was a third astronaut on board. Command module... <laughs> this just cracks me up. Command module pilot Reynold Evans, who was Saturn V's designated driver and had to stay in the ship while these two dudes made history. And boy, did Gene and Schmidt make history while Evans watched, uh, the Apollo 17 mission broke all sorts of records. It was the longest crewed lunar, lunar lander mission, uh, clocking in at 12 days, 14 hours, which means they lived for nearly two weeks on the moon, y'all. They drove for 4.7 miles, making the longest road trip on the moon so far, which took a total of 22 hours and four minutes. And why we are here today, the Apollo 17 mission hauled back to, hauled back <laughs> the Apollo 17 mission hauled back the largest lunar sample, a pile of rocks and dust and debris weighing in at 254 pounds. Now, back in 1972, lots of tests on that booty were performed, but scientists could only go so far. I mean, remember, back in in between 69 they were using live cockroaches to examine the effects of this stuff. So, my hungry business goose, it was determined this precious material would have to be stored away until future technology could really unlock its mysteries. Fast forward to 2021, 49 goddamn years later. By now, most scientists agree sometime around four and a half billion-ish years ago, a Mars-sized object we called Thea slammed into a newly forming Earth. The impact shook massive, extremely hot chunks of our planet loose and it all flung outward, eventually solidifying into our moon. Now, when that impact occurred and how long it would take for a ball covered in an ocean of roiling magma to transform into the chill beauty hanging out with us today, well, that has long been somewhat unknown. But the Thea theory also includes an idea on where to look for an answer. Now, I know we've done a lot of flashbacks in this episode, but I'm going to need you to hit that time machine one more time. In fact, we're heading on back to episode 163, the one right after the Apollo 17 haul. 
In episode 163, Yellow Gems, created by Meteor Impact, we brought up zircon crystals. Now, these babies form under extreme, extreme conditions, like after a meteor impact, or say when two planet-sized objects slam into one, into one another. Yeah. Now, as that ocean of magma cools, these zircon crystals should begin to form. And as they do, on occasion, they'll also trap things around them. Other elements, like uranium. So yes, my glowing business goose, uranium might be trapped in these crystals inside these moon rocks. And if so, over the billions of years that uranium should naturally decay, uh, it should decay into lead. Now, according to a eurekaalert.org, scientists have established how long it takes for that process to occur. And by looking at the proportion of different uranium and lead atoms present in a sample, they can tell how old it is. End quote. Put a pin in this. So, my friends, join me. In 2021, when a team of cosmochemists led by Bai Dong Zhang, uh, now a researcher at the University of California at Los Angeles, and Audrey Bouvier at the University of Beirut in Germany, they scored some of the good stuff. I'm talking pure samples from that Apollo 17 haul. After lots of pokes and clickety-clack calculations that I can't possibly comprehend, they published a paper with a title where I needed to Google every fucking word. Okay, quote, radiogenic PB mobilization induced by shock metamorphism of zircon, zircons in the Apollo 72255 civet cat norite class. End quote. No, I didn't have a stroke. Uh, I'm not speaking in tongues. That was the title. And you may be asking, well, I'm glad you're okay, but what the fuck was that? What does it mean? Actually, can you just skip to the end? Okay, absolutely, I've got you. Very long story short, my friends, the zircon crystals embedded in some of those Apollo 17 moon rock samples were found to be the oldest yet, at 4.46 billion years old. 4.46 billion, and that is fucking old. And believe it or not, this discovery caused some major cosmochemistry drama. For real. People, some people, just lost their shit, screaming, that's too old. Thea hit us 4.5 billion years ago. There's no way these crystals can be 4.46 billion years old. Alexander Nemchin, a geochemist at the certain university in at certain university, not a certain university. <laughs> a geochemist, it's probably uh, pronounced Curtin, C-U-R-T-I-N, University in Australia. Anyway, Alexander, you know him. He discovered the previous oldest known lunar crystal, a single 4.42 billion year old specimen from that same Apollo 17 sample. It was found in one rock, but nothing has come up since. So maybe their calculations, maybe they're a mistake? Well, Zhang and the gang responded to critics saying it was possible that this discovery could be an error. Quote, lead can move around within zircon crystals and get stuck in clusters, 
potentially, meaning that when researchers measured the ratio of lead isotopes, they may have overcounted. They may have overcounted if it hit a cluster, coming up with an inaccurate date. It's been controversial for the last 50 years, since the 1970s when the astronauts brought back the samples from the moon, Zhang told Carolyn Johnson of the Washington Post. Apollo rocks were very consistent at 4.3 billion years old. That's why people are like, why would this age be any different? End quote. So, my youthful business goose, here stands Zhang and the gang with their hands on their hips having to make a choice. Do we label these crystals a quirky cluster that's been overcounted and they're not 40 million years older than that single proven sample? Or do we find a way to show that this was no mistake, that the moon may really be way older than expected? Well, my triumphant business goose, you fucking bet they found a way. They hitched up their pants and waited for technology to catch up. Luckily, they only needed to wait two years. <laughs> Enter a very busy man named Philip Heck, the Field Museum, yeah, Philip Heck, the Field Museum's Robert A. Pritzker Curator for Meteoritics and Polar Studies, that's one thing, and a professor at the University of Chicago, a shorter thing. And with him was his partner in crime, Jenica Greer, who was a doctoral candidate at the Field Museum and the University of Chicago at the time. Quote, we were approached by our co-authors, by Dong Zhang and Audrey Bouvier, who needed a nanoscale look at these samples in order to understand them fully, said Jenica to Eureka Alert. Uh, Jenica is now a research associate at the University of Glasgow. Uh, congratulations. So the gang got a little bigger and their reach just got a whole lot fucking bigger. For you see, Heck and Greer are experts at something called atom probe tomography. Now, if you head on over to our social media stuffs and tap on today's post, you will see Jenica atom probing away. And it's a great photo. And Jenica provided Eureka Alert with the perfect explanation on how the thing in front of her works. Okay, here we go, everyone. It's imagination time. Quote, in atom probe tomography, we start by sharpening a piece of the lunar sample into a very sharp tip using a focused ion beam microscope, almost very like a, like a very fancy pencil sharpener. Then we use UV lasers to evaporate atoms from the surface of that tip. The atoms travel through a mass spectrometer and how fast they move tells us how heavy they are, which in turn tells us what they're made of." End quote. Whew. Huge thank you. Huge thank you to Jenica for that explanation because I would have turned into a twitching puddle trying to explain this machine. That was a great explanation. So thank you, Jenna, Jesus. So my teeny friends, this is literally an atom-by-atom atom analysis of the Zhang and the Gang sample. They pinpointed each lead isotope one at a time to prove that they didn't double count. And it fucking worked. This method confirmed that the moon has to be at least 4.46 billion years old. And I say at least 
because as we speak, even more accurate technology is being crafted and future plans to the moon are in motion, including a mission called Artemis 3, which will send an entire crew back up there in 2025 to, at the very least, hoard more samples of that sweet, sweet moon stuff. This is gonna be the year. Cosmo chemists are gonna be strung out on powder and having their Scarface moment. And you know what? I am looking forward to seeing what blows up and what gets totally rewritten. It's looking more and more like things are older than they appear. After the break, speaking of 2025, Earth will be losing sight of Saturn's rings. Yeah, take a good look while you can. Um, I'll explain what the hell is happening. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, if you don't know shite about Saturn, today is your lucky day. We are taking a figurative deep dive into this place because a real one would surely kill us. Its atmosphere is 94% hydrogen, 6% helium, with smidge amounts of methane and ammonia. Now, this number should sound familiar to you, 4.5. It's believed 4.5 to 4.6 billion years ago, our solar system formed from a dense cloud of interstellar gas and dust. The cloud collapsed, possibly due to the random fucking occurrence of a shockwave caused by a nearby exploding star. When this dust cloud collapsed, it formed a solar nebula, a spinning, swirling disk of material. Needless to say, this was chaos. Countless solids formed, collided, and battled for room, like Earth and Thea. Gases coalesced, like a lot of them, forming absolute units like Jupiter and Saturn. As Saturn inflated, its gravity became its own behemoth, dragging in comets, asteroids, chunks of rock dashed apart from impacts literally millions of miles away. You could say this created a mini version mirroring the turbulent environment surrounding Saturn. Over the course of literally billions of years, things began to settle down. Some chunks came out victorious, carved into moons. Right now, we know of 146 of them. Yes, 146, and if that sounds like a lot, it is. We're about to get into how extra Saturn can be. But first, a quick note about that tally, because it's sure to increase, as of course our gadgets become ever more accurate. To put this into context, 62 new moons were just discovered in 2023. 62! 
That in and of itself is too many moons. But this girl has 146 and counting. Now, you may be wondering why it's so difficult to find them. That is a great question, my earthly business goose. One reason? Those super extra rings. Yes, my friends, these iconic rings are thought to also have been created from an immeasurable number of impacts, and they're composed of dust, ice, and rock. Some just flex, to others the size of mountains. What's holding them together is Saturn's gravity, but also, quote, shepherd moons, small moons that orbit near the outer edges of the rings or within gaps in the rings. The gravity of shepherd moons serves to maintain a sharply defined edge to the ring." End quote from caltech.edu. So, it's, it's a frustrating game of peekaboo when it comes to discovering moons. Now, if you're wondering how fucking big these rings must be for moons to hide in, don't worry, I've got you. Here are some numbers that are just hard to comprehend. Saturn's rings are about 175,000 miles across, or 282 kilometers across. And according to businessinsider.com, if you were able to take an imaginary hike on one of Saturn's outermost rings, quote, you'll walk about 12 million kilometers, or seven and a half million miles, to make it around the longest one. That's about 15 round trips from the Earth to the Moon." End quote. So, they're big. But big only in terms of their expanse. Because, my even teenier business goose, at their thickest, at their thickest, we're only talking one kilometer, or about half a mile. Put a very important pin in this. Now, let's talk about those gaps for a second. The largest, measuring 2,900 miles, or 4,700 kilometers. This is a width called the Cassini Division that separates rings A and B. Rings are named alphabetically in the order they were discovered, which, just as with Saturn's moons, this can also be all over the fucking place. Get this. Quote, starting at Saturn and moving outward, there is the D-ring, the C-ring, B-ring, Cassini division, A-ring, F-ring, G-ring, and finally, the E-ring. Much further out, there is the very faint Phoebe ring in the orbit of Saturn's moon, Phoebe." End quote. From science.nasa.org. So, so far, we have seven rings. But it was not always this way, and it surely won't stay this way either. My friends, if you're not holding on to something or sitting the fuck down, you may want to. The rings you and I know and love, they only formed 400 million years ago. 400 million. Now, if that's shocking to you, please remain seated. Look, sharks are older than that. Yes, the earliest known evidence of sharks are fossil scales that date over 420 million years ago. And if your mind is not already broken, get this too. It takes the sun and our solar system 230 million years to complete an orbit around the Milky Way. Which means sharks have probably orbited twice. Twice! Even Saturn's rings haven't done that. That just 
absolutely blows my mind. So, in sum, the rings are relatively new, and it's possible they will disappear completely as time goes on. From businessinsider.com, quote, every 30 minutes, they lose enough water to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And if we traveled 300 million years into the future, we'd miss them completely. End quote. So, my temporary business goose, Saturn will lose her bling eventually. And we can get a preview of what that'll look like in 2025. Remember when we said uh, these rings are a mere half a mile at their thickest? Well, at 1.2 billion kilometers away, or 746 million miles, which is the distance between Earth and Saturn, a half a mile is barely anything. Quote, in proportion, they are thinner than a sheet of paper. End quote. From Dr. Alfredo Carbonetti. Yes, Dr. Alfredo from iflscience.com. Now, when you combine this fact with Saturn's position in its orbit and the changing tilts of its rings, you get some pretty interesting effects. In 2023, Saturn's rings were tilted down at a nine degree angle. This year, they're at 3.7. Next year, in 2025, quote, they'll disappear into an almost imperceptible line as Earth views them edge on, end quote. From skyatnightmagazine.com. Yes, my dashing business goose, that angle will drop to zero on March 23rd, 2025. And it turns out this disappearing magic trick happens quite a lot, actually, every 13.7 to 15.7 years. I had no idea. <laughs> so, as Saturn and Earth continue their little dance, that angle will eventually increase. And we are actually going to be able to see the underside of the rings, which hasn't been seen for quite some time, including the planet's butt, or its southern pole, as the technical term. So, in sum, Saturn will be giving us an old-fashioned Times Square show, if you will, from the end of 2025 and beyond. What's called the maximum inclination <laughs> will be reached in 2032, when the planet will be at a staggering 27 degrees, and uh, we will probably see more than we want to. Yes, that's how this episode ends. So thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends that the moon, oh girl, she's old, which means everything else is older. We're a, we're a little off with our clickety-clack calculations. And uh, tell everyone Saturn's going to be buck naked and just out there in 2025. You don't even have to explain why, just to say that. And uh, a giant ring-sized thanks. To the folks over at Airwave Media, the podcast network to which WTI belongs. If you love this show, you're going to love the other podcasts in this family. And please, stay interesting. <laughs>